This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Free left turn here on 89.0 Free FM Independent Community Media. We're in the 11th day of the COVID lockdown, level 4 of course, and so it's just maintaining life within one's bubble. Now we heard yesterday that uh, at midnight or 11.59pm, Auckland and Kaitokarau will remain in lockdown, lockdown level 4, while we, um, as part of the rest of the, rest of the nation, will go to level 3 at that same time. But it'll be interesting to know or see what happens in the next few days in regard to cases. Um, most of the new cases apparently are all in Auckland, so... Um, and there's been no sort of indications of community outbreaks anywhere else bar Wellington. There's none in the South Island, although they'd had that um, that water test or that wastewater test in Christchurch, but apart from that, there's been nothing. And people like that silly old twit of a mayor from Queens, Queenstown, Jim Bolt, wanting to go straight to level two. Uh, a bit short-sighted. Uh, I think he should go the same way as uh, our friend Mr. Tim Shadbolt and find a, a retirement package. So, as I said, we're going to level three um, in the Waikato on Tuesday, 11.59, and Auckland, um, North Antitokarao, uh, remain at level four. Interestingly, um, there's been comments from from out of Northland. One was by a TV One reporter, and another was by a former MP for Northland, Matt King. And they so basically, um, when we go back, we go back to the TV One reporter. 
she was saying that the, the number of people she spoke to, she never gave a number, uh, were critical that Northland was in level four, the romantic level four. And ditto from Matt King, but he was making some sort of disparaging comments about the current government um, being useless, wasters, etc., etc. Um, he usually um, writes under the pseudonym Chronicles of Clive, apparently. It sounds like a um, play on Narnia, but I think it's um, less um, intelligent than the... Um, C.S. Lewis writings. So they were complaining about that, um, going to be remaining at level 4 for at least two weeks from 11.59 this Tuesday. The interesting thing that I took on board was early in the uh, lockdown when uh, TV1 spoke to uh, former uh, uh, Maori Party MP Hone Harawera and for a better word, he was actually pissed off with the fact that um, these Pākehās, and um, and, I, and I, I support his words, were rushing out of walking up to Northland, and, um, and heaven knows if they, if they were any of those sort of casual or close contacts, but they, um, they shot through, and he was highly indignant about that, and he was... Uh, also highly indignant about the fact that the police didn't shut off the borders um, a lot a lot later a lot a lot earlier than they should have. Uh, I think they shut it off about what was it when, Tuesday Wednesday and it was at the um, they had one at the bottom of the um, Brendewins on the Aucklands of the of the Brendewins. They had had a point there on turning people back, but I see the border. It's really somewhere near Walkworth. So, yeah, so he was highly thought, well, please, well, they've come to the party rather late in the whole piece. Um, but I can see, I see his point. And I think the point is that um, if you go back just over 100 years to the Spanish influenza or Spanish pan flu pandemic, of 1918, the latter part of that year, um, how many indigenous people or indigenous communities were seriously impacted by that outbreak, and the numbers were quite high. Um, uh, many, many, uh, many Maori um, died from that particular um, influenza. So, uh, iwi hapu setting up borders or um, roadblocks or whatever it is um, into territory, I uh, I totally support that, and they would remember their history, history probably of some of their tūpunas who died in the in the Spanish influenza. So, um, I totally support that thinking because it, these sorts of things can play havoc, and I'm, th I'm talking about. Uh, COVID nineteen, the Delta variant, so can play havoc on indigenous peoples. So good on Honey for stating that. It happened. It happened during the last lockdown, and there were, um, I think there were, uh, I think there was one up Northland. There was one down in the Taranaki. I think there's one over the east coast. And <coughs> excuse me, and 
people were jumping up and down about oh bloody Maori and they and they and they're telling us what to do and all that sort of stuff. Um, the the thing is, they know their history, so and they know the history of what happened to their, as I say, their tūpuna during the last. Um, well, we got a real major um, pandemic, which was that 1918 Spanish flu. So, yeah, that's where that's what what my opinion on it that is. And yeah, we're going back to we're going back to level three on Tuesday at 11:59 at p.m. And yes, we will still be stuck inside our bubble. So for me, it'll be back at home. I'll be working from home. There will be no uh, live radio show uh, while we're under level three, um, and I, I totally support that. Um, and when you've got other mechanisms to record shows, why don't why don't you use those mechanisms? So, level three, there will be a little bit more freedom, as we remember for last time. Um, can travel around a little bit more. Um, interestingly, it was my turn to do the shopping supermarket shopping for this week and yeah there was a few people there at countdown bridge, bridge street um and i didn't have to stand in line um when i left there were people waiting in line so there there must have been must have been quite a sizable rush on but yeah there were products that weren't there your meats were quite um thin so if you were a if you wanted to make a a, a chicken mince lasagna well you couldn't and if you like your if you like your if you enjoyed your pork mince, you couldn't. But there were big um, containers of uh, or one kilo containers of beef mince. If you if you're into that, um, which I am, and there were big containers of chicken breasts and all that sort of stuff. All all kilo stuff. But just going through cruising through some of the the aisles and these products that are not even there. Uh, my wife wanted a kilo bag of brown sugar for example and there was none and i think there was also thin on a lot of other a lot of the other sugar type products and the flour and so on so yeah interesting to view it like that viewing shopping like that and when you think about um there's no need for panic buying people being people will panic buy so yeah so that's what what's what i was up to this morning doing the shopping but i said but as i say again when, when we when we think about covid covid 19 delta variant everybody out there stay safe um if you if you um if you had your vaccination already good on you if that was your first one good on you uh, if you had your second one good on you there's some of us who haven't had it yet i'm in the process of having ours done next monday week along with my wife but out there, it's one way of protecting the community. And to date, I think the government has done did a pretty good job around trying to get the, the bulk of the country vaccinated by the end of the year. So, yeah, that's my comments on to date regarding the COVID-19 lockdown. Free FM 89.0.
My co-host Fred provided me with an interesting article from Global Times. And I'll try to look, and look up and down, it's a bit, it's a bit strange. Um, which is titled, US Goods Replace Aussie Imports of Frozen Beef, Barley and Coal Amid Letters Deterring, deterring Relations with China. So it's interesting. If you, if you, the lead-in is quite interesting. It says here, "quote Chinese importers and companies are replacing Australian imports ranging from frozen beef, barley to coal with goods produced in other countries, including Australia's so-called ally, the U.S." 
several business executives told the Global Times. This reflects Australia's embarrassing political scenario after it immaturely followed the US against China. The changes came amid worsening China or Sino-Australian relations, relations sorry, which resulted in a severe drop in China's purchase of products like barley. On the other, other hand, China is buying more of those goods from the US to fill the void. Somebody's laughing all the way to the bang here, and it's not the Australians. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry with the laughter. The South China Morning Post reported Australia's traditional lead over the US in frozen beef exports into China started to turn recently. In April, the US exported $68 million worth of frozen beef to China, less than Australia's $80 million exports. In May, however, the US overtook China, Australia sorry, by exporting $90 million worth of frozen beef to China, about doubling Australia's $47 million beef exports. In July, the gap widened in favour of the US. US exports of frozen beef to China hit $107 million compared with $35 million from Australia. So you're seeing what happens. The US, the US exports are increasing and Australia is declining. And I, bet you, and I think that would rather brass them off. Um, further into the article, it talks about uh, New Zealand gets mentioned here. Um, a, a gentleman called Zhang Huang, and he's the general manager of the Chi Shanghai sorry, Weibo Food Company. And he said his company has used beef from South America, Canada and New Zealand to replace Australian beef. They also buy US beef to fill the gap, but not in large amounts. I would suspect when if the Australians are seeing this, particularly from that New Zealand is also um, filling a void, uh, they wouldn't be less than pleased. Because we, we've we heard the less than rational behaviour from Australia over the the rugby or the rugby and the All Blacks and where where they're going to be play whether they're going to be playing or not at Perth. So I suspect we'll probably get more irrational comments from the Australians over this, but they've um, they made a rod for their own backs because they were sided with the Yanks, but the the Yanks are paying paying that paying two games here. Uh, we, we will criticise China publicly, but we will export to them privately. <laughs> it sounds rather, it sounds like rather that Australia have has not actually been slow. It sounds like Australia, I should say, has been a little bit slow on the uptake. What is actually going on? Um, quoting further from the article, apart from foes and food. Australia, other Australian products are also facing increasing, increasing market chill. An employee from the from an agricultural trade company from Yangshin, um, from I think it's East China Zhizhou province, also told the Global Times that his company reduced imports of Australian barley to escape the eighty percent 
anti-dumping and anti-subsidies duties placed by China, placed by China on Australian barley imports since last year, and is a purchase and is purchasing more barley from the likes of Argentina, France, and Canada. While um, in the in the the realms of coal, coal um, exports are another example of the changes in trade in Australia. No, no, sorry, sorry, in April, sorry, China imported 974,000 tonnes of coking coal from the USA, up from 279,000 tonnes in January, custom data showed. In comparison, Australia's exports of coal to China have almost dropped to zero. So, yeah, so it's, it's interesting to see how 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 the stance the Australians have taken um, by by um, sticking to the USA, um, particularly under Trump anyway, what and his um, attacks and criticisms and whatever of China and Australia. I think they're the ones who've come out second best out of everybody, and that and 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 it seems that the the USA have done very well. Thank you. Despite the criticisms, particularly of the um, of the Chinese by the Trump regime, there's a comment here that we, we probably could try sum sum this up. The fact that Australia is seeking its seeing its market share being stolen by U.S. competitors, among despite the two nations' alliance against the China, against China, shows Australia's immature, wishful thinking, policy making experts said so it's, it's quite an interesting comment to make and this is quite an interesting article and if you want to know a bit more about this article um, please go to free left turns facebook page where i where i've shared it there um and yeah i've as i've just just quoted things from it and just made comment about some of it, but just pay to go through it, have a have a have a read, and see what you think. And probably you come to the same opinion as myself that um, sticking with the U.S. through thick and thin, and we we remember that um, Australia has been the loyal loyal um, well I don't know if you call it a lieutenant of the USA when it came to the um, the Iraqi invasion and the um, invasion of Afghanistan, uh, and I always remember that cartoon of um, that had um, Blair, uh, Bush, George W. Bush, and John Howard in it, and it had uh, shows John Howard as the loyal koala. Yes, so it seems to me that. That you the U.S.'s relationship with Australia, or the Australians' relationship with the U.S., remains strong. However, its ally it appears to be undermining its trade um, with the Chinese. So, if you can come to that conclusion by reading the article, um, yeah, I, I think you'd be right on the money because that's what the article is telling me. So, yeah, it'll be just watch that space and see how how further. Um, for the de de declining of the Australian market or the market to China goes, where where does it actually where does it actually go to from here? Do they do they pull their heads in? Um, 
eat humble pie and um, apologize, or will they will they will they be too much? Um, um, don't want don't want to lose don't don't want to lose face as they say, and um, allow things just to fall away. It's up to them. I'm not afraid to 
if everybody was watching the news uh, this past week, you would have seen events from Afghanistan, particularly the Car the Kabul uh, airport maelstrom, where suicide bombers had targeted um, civilians slash U.S. military types and the casualties as a result. Um, uh, the Afghan civilian total was 90 at one part, I would suspect that will be approaching, more like over 100, and there were a dozen or so U.S. military types that were killed as well. But you look at the, just the, just the whole whole shambles of people trying to leave the country in this space and they talk about people standing in knee-deep sewerage so it's not particularly pleasant. We saw that prior to the bombing New Zealand's third and last plane had left Kabul probably heading to the Middle East probably the uh, something like Qatar or somewhere like that um, and prior to the Prime Minister saying that we still have a number of people left there either those who probably hold dual citizenship those who are probably born in this country or those who are wanting to make their way to New Zealand so hopefully they do get out the, the problem is that there's been a cut off date for people to be taken out of the country and that's the 31st of August although Tal Taliban hierarchy have indicated that they probably can extend it past there how how much um, back uh, how concrete that is I don't know but hopefully more people can come out of that country who don't want to live under the Taliban's regime although I reckon they're a better option than the ISIS element. Um, what was their names? ISIS-K, who um, were behind that, those two bombings. Yeah. And what was what was said was that the um, uh, ISIS are a sworn enemy of the Taliban. So it tells you a little bit more about the intricacies of Islamic extremism. The US's response was to say we're going to hunt these people out and deal with them and uh, news reports yesterday say that they targeted at least uh, one person who had coordinated the bombings so they for a better word took him out the problem with all this is that the endless cycle of violence just continues. So you, you, you say one thing, we'll pull out, but you still got troops on the ground. Um, ISIS come in, they kill a few, kill a number of people, mainly civilians, and we're going to get even with you people. Is the US response. So, as I said, the cycle of violence will continue. Interestingly, there's a couple of things that popped up 
on my computer. One was via the Facebook medium. The other one was on my email address. And the first one I'll take comes from the 26th of August. So that's uh, Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. And it was from a page titled Rage, Rage Against the Machine. And I suspect that is linked to the um, the group um, in there. they got the virulent anti-US um, imperialism stuff. And it says, quote, The war in Afghanistan has always been thought of as the good war, in inverted commas, while the invasion of Iraq was seen as a mistake. Both imperial wars were nothing but vile and racist. Twenty years later, the longest war in US history has led to the deaths of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Afghans and the displacement of 5.3 million more, causing untold trauma and grief. The US spent $2.3 trillion of taxpayers' money on the war in Afghanistan. Funds that could have been spent on health care, education and the environment, but were spent, uh, were spent instead on a war profiting private industries. Mainstream media, media is repeating the same tropes that were used to justify an illegal evasion 20 years later. Little to no airtime is being spent discussing the four decades of US imperial intervention that has reduced this, this nation of Afghanistan to rubble. The victims of US empire have been sounding the alarm for, long, for a long time. We, whenever we hear the drums of war beating, we must shut them down. And I think we should. And, and I think when you hear that... Um, Biden says he's going to hunt these people out, as it just continues the cycle of violence, and the and the people who are the biggest victims in all the, all this are uh, just normal Afghan citizens going about their business. Yeah, so that was from the from the rage against the machine. The other one came, as I said, via my email address from um, avars co. And it just tells a little story about uh, a little, about a Afghan journalist. It says, it goes like, dear friends, a young female journalist forced into hiding in Afghanistan had one request for those listening around the world. Please pray for me, she asked. Her life, life has been obliterated overnight. She could no longer write under her own name or say where she was. She didn't know if she'd see her family again whether she'll, she would even survive. She's not alone. Since the US announced they are leaving and the Taliban swept across Afghanistan, thousands are living in fear and living underground. Some have clung onto planes in a desperate bid to escape and devastating bomb attacks just killed dozens of people at Kabul airport. Our, our movement, that's Avaz, cannot look away. The Taliban have said foreign forces have to withdraw from the country by Tuesday, which means every day counts to save lives. A group of organisations and activists are determined to keep delivering critical services even beyond this deadline. 
despite the risks to them and their colleagues. But they need our urgent support and they need it now and they go on. Okay, so we know that um, Taliban probably want women to be in their place, which is to be at home and not say a hell of a lot or and don't hold down employment. Um, and there's... And, and and that came through the last regime. They said they may have mellowed since then, but we don't know. Time, the proof will be in the pudding, as they say, and um, they may have learnt their lesson from the last time they were in charge. But people are still scared. They remember the last ta- Taliban regime, and they want just want to get out. And and there, there are those who help the uh, forces of invasion, like, like the USA, the Great Britain, Australia and New Zealand, um, and they feel that if the Taliban um, get them, they'll be killed, and so will their families. So, but as as we say, we don't know if the the Taliban have mellowed or not around that, and that they'll just um, let them live normal lives. We don't know, so we'll it's a wait and see. But you're trying to um, say to people that. Um, that they may not do that, but I don't, don't really um, know because we don't get the full picture of things. Because we the the way the media reports in there is probably a little bit more towards the uh, more dramatic and saying that the people will be killed. But as I said, time will tell. Uh, we did our best. We got what three um, uh, plane loads out of the country um, to come back here. But as I said before, the that, and it came from the Prime Minister doing the press reporting that there were people still there that needed to get out. So Afghan just goes from one one civilian disaster to another civilian disaster. Um, the problem has been that ever, ever since there have been invasions and, and stuff like that in recent years, like as you take take the Russians went in through there in the 70s and now with the um, war on terrorism which involved Afghanistan it's just been one one shit show to say the least so it's time to say well it takes time to think well we're not, we need to move the country forward I'm going to talk about Afghanistan and what what hasn't worked is just continual wars of, of of conquest or wars of invasion or wars of just getting even with people who have committed acts in other countries like the USA, for example, and the twin, twin towers of of nine eleven. So, if if we want Afghanistan to move forward, maybe we we should be contributing to that instead of just bombing the hell out of it. But we we still got, we still got the maelstrom. At, Kabul um, airport and that needs to be sorted and people need to be reassured or people need to be taken out, pulled out of the country I should say and resettled somewhere else and hopefully if um, so-called democracies can get the act together and other nations, other non-aligned nations, maybe there could be a better outcome for um, Afghanistan, Afghanistan sorry but time will tell.
Over recent months and weeks, Fred Mick and I have been talking about events out of Canada and the, discover, and the discovery of graves of First Nation children in places like British Columbia and Saskatchewan and the growing um, scandal that has um, appeared particularly for that country. Interestingly, Fred shared an article by a British writer called Tom Fowdy, and it's called The Silence on Canada's Indigenous Deaths. Shame shows there are double standards on global human rights. And I'll quote Tom, so I'll be reading from this article, and, I'll, and it's on my computer, so it's going to be a little bit tricky, but I'll do the, my best. As the West rounds on China for its treatment of Uyghurs in Xinjiang, it remains conspicuously quiet as more mass graves are found at indigenous schools in Canada. The hypocrisy is breathtaking and blatant. Yesterday, and I think yesterday would have been the 24th of June, 751 graves were found at a residential school in Canada, adding to a growing national scandal following the discovery of 215 bodies at a school several weeks ago, and that's the British Columbia one. The findings reveal a darker side of Canada's history, one the world has known little about. Over a lengthy period of time, it appears to have played host to some appalling human rights abuses, Yet all these unpleasant revelations come amidst a renewed push by Ottawa, alongside others in the West, to accuse China over events in Xinjiang's um, autonomous region, that's in, the West, in West China, where they argue similar abuses are being carried out. I've previously written about the human rights standoff at the United Nations and Beijing's reaction to it, but the irony is that it, that if these graves had been found in China with such explicit evidence, it would have been universally decried by all the usual protagonists, countries I should say, as a crime against humanity or even genocide. Yet in Canada, a simple apology seems to satisfy the, the international community with no actual accountability for the perpetrators. The discoveries are significant though as they have completely redefined our understanding of Canada and its past, and more particularly they shine a light into the nature of the of the Anglophere, the British Empire-derived countries, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the United States, plus the United Kingdom. The five countries, although perhaps less so New Zealand, are tied together not just by common heritage and the legacy of British imperialism, but by unifying zeal of absolutist moral exceptionalism, a self-appointed tight to police, right to police and dictate world affairs and enforce their values globally. I won't continue because it goes on a little bit, but interestingly, they, they, he talks about those countries. Okay, we know we live in New Zealand, 
and in the in the 19th, 19th century particularly, and into the 20th century, of course, the um, how the, how we how we as a nation treated the indigenous Maori um, through those years, and some of that history is not pleasant, and we want to redefine our history in this country, much to the chagrin of the likes of ACT and the National Party. But we need to expose that, expose our history, uh, warts and all, as Mick would say. Australia was, has been mentioned, yes, and their treatment of the Aboriginals of that country, or the, the um, Indigenous people of that country, has been would be regarded as appalling, and 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 still is appalling. Nineteenth um, century and early twentieth century, the the concept of coon hunts was common. And um, as we get into modern-day Australia, the young Aboriginal youth make up, a make up a significant percentage of the prison population of that country. And let us not forget the USA. Um, we've, we've been talking about graves being found in Canada of Indigenous um, children, but in the USA... We, I don't think an apology will ever be forthcoming for their treatment of, of First Nation people. It has an appalling track record in the treatment of First Nation people that goes back to probably the 16th century. Uh, we can think of um, things like the Trail of Tears, for example. You can talk about Wounded Knee, for example. You can call... Um, record, could, Site King Philip's War, for example. Um, I think yeah, Canada's make Canada's maybe um, yeah, okay. That's appalling. Those children being um, those graves. So that's an appalling situation. But you, and, and you can measure. You can in a way measure the appalling nature nations or what colonialists or imperialists have treated indigenous culture. Um, and I think if you ranked USA uh, and Canada, I think USA uh, would come out, at, you know, they come out worse because of their treatment. And they will not, they will not apologise. They don't. There's, there's going to be no likelihood of that ever happening. Um, I, I've got a book I'm holding it in my hand um, called um, "Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee" by D. Brown, and it's an Indian history of the American West. And you can flip through it and have a see um, the appalling acts that went on in that country. I think it highlights a lot of the stuff of the 19th century, but as I said, I think some, some of the more appalling stuff, and absolutely horrendous stuff, happened in early centuries. Um, so, yeah. So... Now, now, now we've come to this particular space. We haven't heard much more out of Canada in this whole episode or reporting on the episode of finding these graves. Um, but we shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't not sit that and say, well, we don't. We shouldn't just park that up to there and not um, forget about it. We should keep it very well at the front of our thoughts. Um, even though we've had events like in here, we've been under lockdown with COVID-19 
and then they had the events in Afghanistan, Kabul airport, seemingly to be d- dominating the news, and 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 things like, oh, okay, we've had the have had the Olympic Games. We don't know how Canada did. I, I haven't really followed that, but those sorts of things seem to push things into the shadows, and so I think it's, oh, it's not so relevant now. We will just disguise it with the, the media. Will will disguise it with other things. However. They found some graves in the, um, as I said, in British Columbia and Saskatchewan. However, how many more graves are there remain that remain not discovered yet? And how much? And what? And actually, what is Canada, Canada going to do about it? Um, are they going to have some sort of apology that to make to? All First Nation groupings in Canada for how the how we treated you in the past. Do because we this country here has done a few apologies over time um, of all sorts of things that we have been um, shown out to be you know short, well quite re- remarkable shortcomings and 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 how we've dealt with those particular um, situations in the past and we've apologised for that. Uh, Will they apologise for that? Um, I think my opinion is that they should, and will we, and then it's a way of moving on. And it may be also that a good time to change the concept of how we, how they report their history or teach their history in their schools, um, like warts and all. The good with the bad. We need to um, make people aware of how of our country's history and not sort of uh, have this approach that the, the winner writes the history it shouldn't be like that it should be history for all to see um, as we move forward so as I said watch the space regarding Canada and my my thing is what will the Canadian government do in light of all these revelations so as I said watch the space Free FM 89.0.
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.